Relax. You're quite safe here. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, whether you're doing it at cnjradio.com or you're subscribed and leaving a star rating and review on iTunes, never missing one single episode. Thank you especially everybody who does that. Alright, Dateline, February 16th, 2016. The reason I say that is because that's when we're recording this episode. This is going to come out sometime in the springtime, so just wanted to mention that because we're doing these while it's fresh on the brain. This is part two of our year-long tribute to David Bowie. So, of course, we have the man with me here at my side, Logan. Hello. Hey, Joey. Hey, Logan. Did you have a longer intro or something? No, 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 that's it. That's it. Uh, That's all it is. You know him, you love him. (laughs) Yes. Ready to do this part two of our year-long David Bowie tribute. We are going to be doing basically roughly 1975 through 1981-ish. I was going to say 81, I think. About that. Basically the ending of the Scary Monsters era. We've got uh, a handful of odds and ends throughout the show, and then the last two songs are going to be big surprises, I think, for those of you out there. Logan knows about one of them. I didn't tell him about the finale, so the finale I'm building up is going to be a big deal. Okay. So, But let's go ahead and start off. Uh, back in March 7th, 1975, an album I, you know, and I think losing fans and gaining some others. Yes. This is the, this is... Uh, a little more mass appeal. He changed again. He changed again. This is the blue-eyed soul, the thin white duke, the uh, Berlin leaning, uh, going into that, well, well, getting close. Well, we're, we're still, yeah. It's still a journey. Yeah. It's this, still a journey. It's before that, that really weird controversy that I heard about where like he supposedly sig-hailed off of a train or something like that. Oh, and man, I don't remember that at there's all. There's a picture of it, and it's like, dude, somebody just caught me in the wrong... Like This was actually like news for a minute. You right. Know? So, <laughs> that's how big he was. So, But yeah, the Young Americans album, it's a whole other thing. Like I said, we were talking about this at the very end of part one. Go back and listen if you haven't heard, because you really should listen to this chronologically if you do anything. But halfway through the Diamond Dogs tour, Bowie was already basically recording sessions for what would become the Young Americans album. And apparently if you went and saw the first half of the Diamond Dogs tour, the second leg was almost like night and day from the first one, because he was already going in a R&B soul direction. A little more pop, a little less rock and glam. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Uh, and this is where he starts to earn his chameleon stripes that he uh, right. that he was known for, you know, decades and decades over. So, yeah, Young Americans, an album that, you know, I bought it. Uh, I bought all the Virgin reissues when they came out in 1999. I finished those up. And, you know, Young Americans is one of those albums that I didn't listen to as much as maybe some of the stuff we covered in part one. But even just going through some of the tracks, trying to pick out what to do for this show, I gotta say, this is one of those albums that, it's it's hugely successful, don't get me wrong, but it's weird, like, in the fan realm, I feel like now it's kind of underrated. There's some really great, deep album tracks on here. Yeah. 
for an album that starts off with Young Americans, right. big hit, and the last song on it is Fame. Fame. Yeah. So the two huge singles that this album is known for... Bookended. But in the middle, it's like, there's something interesting going on that yeah. people should hear. And that's an album, I think, well worth picking up. And the thing about this period for him is that he didn't just scrape the surface. He went headlong into it. He yeah. went He went to the, the, the clubs where soul music was being played, whether it was live or you know some DJ... But he went went to Harlem and just completely immersed himself in American soul music culture. So he was able to also, you know, pick some some pretty pretty young talent at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a uh, a guy that nobody had ever heard of. Uh, not only is on this record, got a co-write on it, right. Luther Vandross, right. who would become a Hall of Fame R&B soul yeah. singer. I mean, yeah. that guy that guy was huge. Huge. <laughs> no no pun intended. No. He was, <laughs> no. He, he was his, huge. Yeah, well, his, his weight did yo-yo over the years, right. you know, and I should talk. But, yeah, no, no. Luther Vandross getting his big break uh, coming into David's camp and... He even, uh, I noticed in the liner notes of Young Americans, gets a vocal arrangement credit along with David. Yeah. So he was he was an equal partner, it looks like. Yeah. So. Well, and it, I, it seemed to me from his his sessions, from what I'd seen, he really did make it a little bit more of a democratic, because it was new, exciting music to him, and he wasn't exactly sure... He knew what he wanted, but then there were some elements to where he didn't exactly know because it, it's it was a new fascination for him. Yeah, no pun intended. No, once again. no pun intended. Yes, that's true. And and wanting to keep the authenticity. Right. He wanted it's, to it's keep important. it very authentic, yeah. and he, he did a great job. Yeah, he did a great job with this record. Then you take all that, and this isn't just a strictly R and B record. No. There's some pop elements in there, and there's some classic rock elements, classic pop, whatever you yeah. want to call it. Um, all of that being said, at one point, there was a session that was almost kind of separate from the album itself, where it's like, well, John Lennon's coming down, right? <laughs> and we're going to do a couple of songs. One of them was a cover of the Beatles Across the Universe, great song, right. one of my favorite Beatles songs ever. And probably Lennon's best, if you had to put a gun to my head and ask whoa, me what it is. Whoa. It's up there. It's top five. Okay. We'll, we'll say. That's, that's, Package. It's tough for Lennon, but that's top five <laughs> for me, personally. So you got that. And then I still don't think a lot of people realize that along with Carlos Alomar and David, right. Fame was co-written by John, John Lennon. Lennon. Yeah. A lot of people probably don't know that still. Yeah. It's neat that, or, like, or that he's even on the actually on the track. Yeah, that's him playing on yeah. there, and it's him playing and, and, on the Across the Universe. Yeah. He doesn't sing on it, really. He just plays. I think he just does the the, the Fame shout-out. Oh, I was I think, talking about the cover. Oh, okay, yeah, right, right, yeah, right. That's right. definitely him in the background on yes. Fame, for sure, saying Fame. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I still hear that song played in retail stores and even in my store. Right. And, and you know, I love it because it's always a chance for you to hear the word shitty in a retail <laughs> environment <laughs> because they never realize that that's the line. <laughs> Still, would they know to 
No, they never would. Hit, hit they, the little... They, they still don't. I don't know what that... Yeah, never mind. It took the FCC like 30 years to realize that shit is in the song Legs by right. ZZ Top. <laughs> and nowadays it's like... gotta <laughs> But like for 30 years we got away with it. Just like... Got away with it. It's huh? like fucking Who Are You by The Who. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. That's a whole other show. That's a whole other thing. Whole other show. Okay, so we got the John Lennon factor. We got the Luther Vandross factor. Mike Garson's still in the picture, so that's all still going on. Right. Yeah, and we got Earl Slick and Carlos Alomar in the picture now, right. and it's uh, those guys will become staples in the band for years for and years and years, almost the next twenty years. God, yeah. And Earl was on the last ever tour, even after yeah. all of that. Yeah, he was. Yes, he yeah. was. So uh, on an album like this, what to play, Logan? We we kind of before we went on the air, we're like, what do you want to hear? So. Um, you just tell me what we're going to play, because I don't even know now. Go ahead. Well, I think we flipped a coin on it. Sure. Uh, I think we should play win. Right. But we could play a right. Right? <laughs> right? 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 Is that right? Is that, yeah. is that what you want to play? Uh, you want... I don't know, man. I what do you think is a better... What, what's a better opener, in your opinion? If you were starting a show, if you were going to go see Bowie, what would you rather have him open the show with? Let's go with that. Right. Okay. There you go. From Young Americans, this is Right. Right. Right.
Kicking off part two of our year-long Bowie tribute, that was Right by David Bowie, along with a cavalcade of musicians and singers, really putting the, the point forward that he's he's definitely into the soul music right now, for sure. It's pretty sexy, too. Yeah, yeah, it's a very sexy song. That's definitely the middle ground of the upbeat, because, like, initially Logan picked Wynn, and I picked Somebody Up There Likes Me, which are songs you should definitely <laughs> check out. Those uh, Just buy the album. It's a, it's a really good album, top to bottom. And like I said, yeah. I think... In light of all this, and even just going back and listening to the album, I think the last time I picked it up, it, it didn't seem like the best idea. But like once I finished, no. I'm like, man, this is a freaking good record. Kind of underappreciated now that I think about it, because I, I, I was like you too. I, yeah. you know, I, I bought the album, and listened to it a handful of times, and put it away. Yeah, yeah. Just completely, you know, yeah. eh, that's his blue-eyed soul period. Sure. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Good for him. And I think what he's doing after this is another reason why it kind of casts a shadow, honestly. Yeah. But uh, right before that, or like around the time he's working on his next album, which is Station to Station, uh, there's this song that doesn't make the cut of Station to Station, which I still think is so weird, but weird. I, I'm, I'm going to just chalk it up to a vinyl era. Yeah. and We only have 23 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. And Per side. Like, I've heard some outtakes from some of the other albums. I don't think they're nearly as good. I think this is one of the the best of the songs that got away, honestly. Yeah. You can find this song, I think, on as best of David Bowie's 74 through 79. That's the single disc version. And it also appears on the Sound and Vision box set. So those are the two off-the-cuff references that I can make as far as finding this song for you people out there. But uh, I really dig this song, so here's our first odd and end of part two. This is Bowie. Of course, with It's Hard to Be a Saint in the City. Left on the ground 
devil appeared to me like Jesus through the steam and the speed and showed me a hand that even the cops couldn't beat and I felt his hot breath on my neck as I dove into the heat It's so hard to be a saint when you're just a boy out on the street And the stages of the summer winds are just like a living dead As the tracks flag out the rhythm, the eyes stick straight ahead They ride the line of balance and hold on by just the bread But it's too hard in these tunnels, you can get hit up by the heat When you get up, you get out your neck stop When they push you back down, you see it and your heart starts beating faster They just struggle to your feet, then you're out of that hole There you go. So I have Logan sitting here in the studio with me, and I'm glad you hipped me to this Wait, because is that where I am? Yeah, oh my goodness. I'm glad you hit me to this, Logan, because I'm like I really dug this track. Matter of fact, I told him I, I listened to this song actually the night that Bowie passed, but I really love this song, and I just never made the connection. That being said, I've never owned the album this song originally came off of. Right. That was a cover song, <laughs> and. Uh, that I mean, when you hear the arrangement now, even if you just go back now and rewind it, listen to it, you're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, that oh, totally yeah. sounds like this person's song." So, who originally did the song, Logan? Oh, uh, that's Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, this is a song from his what debut album? Yeah, his first album, "Greens from Asbury Park, New Jersey." New Jersey. Yes, <laughs> I thought it said something else. New Jersey, what, yeah. whichever. Anyway, Springsteen's first album, 1973. So you know, of course, fact checking going online. We checked it out. Um, talking about the. Uh, Supposedly, this is a station-to-station outtake, but now there's conflictive information on this. Breaking news. Breaking news. Carlos Alomar claims that he never played this song, and he's supposed to be on the track, supposedly. But then Tony Visconti, who's a longtime Bowie collaborator, says that they did this song for Diamond Dogs originally, which that is is more in line with the fact that Greetings from Asbury Park would have been a newer thought, because it precedes Diamond Dogs by a year. But no one has come forward to like really find hardcore evidence as to mm. when this album was recorded. He said they did a basic scratch track or something for this song, and then Bowie might have gone back and overdubbed a lot of stuff, right. like his vocals and some extra stuff. It's a really strong track, and the production on this is really good. Yeah, it's good. So for, for a, it out like take. a throwaway track yeah. that was... Nobody knows who seems to be in the studio to record it. Yeah. So but either way, yeah, it's... It's, so it's a it's a it's a very strong cover yeah. of the Springsteen original. Yeah, you know, and when you hear like, oh, it might have been for Diamond Dogs, I can hear that too. Yeah. But I could hear this on any one of these other albums. I could hear this it's yeah. one of the few songs where you say, I could hear this on Young Americans and I can right. hear it on Station to Station. Yeah. 
So weird. But uh, at the same time, I can hear the Springsteen, kind of like the, the breakdown. Yeah, that, yeah. When, whenever we were just listening to it a second ago. Oh, totally. I, I can hear uh, Max. Yeah, that's a groove. His 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 riffage yeah. kind of through it, so yeah. So weird. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I hope you dug that song. If it's your first time hearing it, let me know. Let me know what you think about it. It's very, very good. Very good. So, a uh, little less than a year, of course, less than a year, after Young Americans, Bowie's already working on this album, Station to Station, uh, January 23rd, 1976 was its Damn. release. And I have heard stories, and I think even David at one point kind of corroborated this. This kind of goes back to when I saw him on Live by Request on A&E. Right. And then, you know, someone says, oh, I loved you on Soul Train. He's like, thanks. I have no memory of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that he was completely coked up. I mean, just... And what yeah. I've always heard about Station to Station is that they did it basically in a week, oh. and he really didn't get much sleep. Oh, yes. Because of said coke. Yes. And this is supposedly the sole album that he has zero memory of ever recording. Yeah. Because sleep deprivation and drugs. And drugs. That being, being said... Being awake for 48 hours straight, or 70, whatever yeah. it was. Jeez. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that footage of him in the back of his car where he thinks that they're being followed. <laughs> you've seen that footage, right? Yeah, he's I think so, so. He's so paranoid. Yeah, and so, so completely. Yeah. Is this the same, around the same time where him and Bette Midler and Mick Jagger got locked in the closet? Yeah, so probably. I would, I would yeah. imagine. He might want to claim it. He probably claimed ignorance on that, too. Right. <laughs> uh, but that being said, all that, as much as I'm a straight-edge guy, i got to say, Station to Station... It's kind of my personal favorite album of his out of everything. I mean, like I said, all those classic initial albums, hard to argue. But uh, this is, I don't want to say it's the happy medium between that era and the Berlin trilogy, but it's close. It's pretty close. And it's got, it's kind of got a little bit of everything that you love about him. Yeah. If you think he got too artsy with the Berlin trilogy... And if you're not that much into the glam, this is a really nice, happy it's, medium. Yeah, it is. That's why Station to Station is kind of the album that we can all, I think, agree on. We can all shake hands on. Yes. Bowie just working overtime. Like, on Young Americans, he kept it real simple. He had, like, a piano and a guitar credit. Yeah. This one, vocals, guitars, tenor and alto sax, bringing the saxophone back. Saxophones? Saxophones. And <laughs> on an album that had Young Americans, he didn't play the sax on it. <laughs> right. Uh, but that that all being said, yeah, saxophone, the Moog, and the Mellotron oh, yeah. making their way in. Oh yeah, yeah, and an Earl Slick, Carlos Alomar back in there. Uh, I like that the uh, I don't know if this is a pseudonym, but one of the background vocalists credited, the sole background vocalist credited, is named Warren Peace. Warren Peace. Wow. Are you a real person? Creative. Or are you creative. a are you a secret friend? Maybe email us. Hmm. All right. Email Joey. Uh, this is uh, boy. There must have been this huge black gap on side one of the vinyl because the kickoff song "Station to Station" ten minutes plus. Yeah. It's a great. It's it's definitely as good as any of the other epics he's ever done. Yeah. This is a good one, and it's got a bunch of different time changes, and it's. It's it's pure art, is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I know that there was a single release for TVC15. The sole hit is easily Golden Years yeah. off of this. 
still with that soul vibe. Because Golden Years could have been on Young Americans. No, yeah, easily. No problem. Easily. No problem. Uh, but everything else, uh, like Golden Years... We could almost of, go track for track on this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's it's only, like, what, six, six songs? There's six so. songs. So, uh, I... Uh, the best memory I have of this song, the, the reason I kind of went back and listened to Station to Station a lot, especially at the dawn of the 2000s, was because of the Bowie at the Beep live show. The one yeah. that he went in and did with his new band in 1999, 2000, something like that. Yeah, He opens up the show with Wild as the Wind, and it was just like, oh. oh. And like, I would never think to put that at the top of a show. No. But he really just sets the tone for like, yeah, what? I mean, he just... Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do, huh? Man, where, yeah, where and do you And I remember, I remember how you really had an affection towards this album. Yeah. Almost to the point to where it's like, man, I don't want to hear this album again. <laughs> yeah, I did play it a lot at the You story. played it a lot at the at, at Yield Song Shop. Yeah. But, um, yeah. At, at, at the same time, it's a great record, and I can't fault you for it. It is Bowie, so it could have been worse. Yes. Feel free to gift me the box set version that I still don't own. Oh, is there a box set? Those of you out there, oh yeah, there's a big one. Really? It was like one of the, the vinyl one was like one of those $100 plus ones. The CD one's like half that. So, yeah, I'll take the CD one. Right. It's all good. Okay. Anyway, let's let's do it. I'll take the vinyl one. There you go. Okay. Last song on the album. That's what we're playing. So here you go. Wild as the Wind.
Right, a little wild as the wind. Beautiful song. Couple skate only. Couples, yeah. well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has song. it has that thing. I can just see the disco ball, you know, and the lights. I probably saw it. It's, it's a beautiful rink. thing. Yeah, roller land on this year. Yeah. No, so, really. uh, and that being said, it's it seems like such a short span, like seventy five, seventy six, end of an era. Yeah, we've already come to the end of an era for him as far as style and approach and music uh, i don't know what happened to him personally or if it's just the artist in him it's like uh, now i'm doing something else yeah i think it was his his appetite to keep moving yeah. and go ahead and get away from his 
drugged out lifestyle that he, he had experienced with the last, at least the last record from yeah. what, what we know. Yeah. And this is also, uh, you know, a, the longtime friendship that he has now been sharing with Iggy Pop at this point. Yeah. In the midst of everything else that's going on, we have him working and helping out Iggy uh, to really, really mark out a, a decent solo career for himself. Yeah. You know, not that not that these albums sold millions and millions of copies, no. and uh, but uh, they definitely made Iggy Pop a respectable solo artist. The Idiot album, the Lust for Life album, yeah. you know, I mean, Bowie co-wrote and performed, and and at some point did most of the touring. Yeah, as a side guy, like this is like Bowie at the height of his like I, I'm kind of sick of being famous. I like I love playing music. I'm gonna be the side man. Like Iggy's gonna go out there, and Iggy can steal the show away from me. Right. Even if we're both standing up our own two feet, I'm gonna hang out and play the keyboards and some other stuff. Maybe some percussion. I don't know. Do yeah. some backup vocals, of course. And he played on that Iggy tour. When you see Iggy on the Dinosaur Show, Bowie is just playing the piano, and Iggy's do- <laughs> being his I Iggy seen self. That. I oh that's man, great. you gotta see that footage. It's 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 awesome. Just Iggy Pop and Dinosaur in the same sentence makes. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, so 70s I'm, I'm not yeah it's extremely 70s and i wow. think he, i think he played fun time on there so okay. you know he's up I'm, there just like i'm great with that baby baby and, he, and <laughs> bowie just goes fun was <laughs> you know? he wearing his shirt no no, no i was gonna say no shirt okay good Iggy, good what are you talking about excellent excellent so i'm gonna have to go back and find out yeah that's a good clip to look up I'm so sure. You were talking about bowie wanting to get away from his drug thing right. i remember uh, and i have to give a major shout out and and he's said this on his show, so uh, I I like I think this is cool that I can say this. A friend of mine, by the name of Mark Striegel, who does the great Talking Metal podcast, he spent many years under the Viacom umbrella and worked on a lot of specials for VH1. I I really think you know what if I can get his permission, I'm going to put the clip in here, and if not. I'll right. just tell you the story. So I'm going to cover my ass on, on, on both ends here. Good okay, you're going to love this. Okay. Dude. I like this. I like so this already. I'm going to play the clip right now, and you tell me what you think, Logan. Okay. Right. Bowie. Love fucking David Bowie. One of my all-time favorites. He was 69. Had the opportunity to meet David Bowie and hang with him when I worked on VH1 Legends. And I... I was the associate producer on this great documentary. I wish I wish VH1 would would air it again <clears throat> on on David Bowie and uh you know sat down with him and one time when we were uh with him he would just chain smoke, you know, the whole time and at the uh when we were done talking to him I took the ashtray filled with cigarettes all David Bowie's cigarette buds i uh, dumped them in a bag and then i took a picture of bowie smoking one of those cigarettes because we've been shooting it when i was there and uh that's on my my brother's wall the picture of david bowie smoking the cigarette and the actual cigarette right there next to it so there you go david bowie one of my all-time favorite favorite songwriters and just artists period it's a it's a major loss all right, so yeah, <laughs> that I, I I think that's super cool. I think that's awesome. What do you think of that? It's pretty, it's pretty funny. It's the equivalent of like, oh my god, Bieber's hair. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> right. The, the, that's our generation's right. version of it. So, yeah. 
Thanks, not, Mark. Not, for that. not my generation. Not your generation. Well, no, no, their no. generation. Yeah, their generation. Yeah. I'm talking about back yeah. to Bowie again. Yeah. So thank you for no, sharing that, that story, that, yeah, Mark. Yeah, that's a that, that's a fun story, man. Yeah, and that legend special is dynamite. Like, that's where I saw that footage of the dinosaur show. By the way, oh, so is I it? Credit, okay. I credit VH1 for putting there in that go. kind of legwork. There you go. So. I have that on. I need to send him a message to see if he wants that on disc because I have it on. I made a disc of it. Wow. I have it on my VHS. I have it on disc now. Arr, so you pirate. I'll, 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 yeah. pick, I'll hook you yeah. up with one. Yeah. So, all right. Look forward to it. <laughs> we're, we're talking about all of this just to get to this period. Just to and get to this spot, the Berlin Triptych. Yes, I and think, is that how you say it? Yeah. Some people, some people say trilogy. Triptych trilogy. is definitely a Triptych. fancy name, a little more it expensive. Is, yeah, it, it's the way I've always seen it. Uh, kind of the 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 name of this era. Yeah, and the reason I remembered that to to use that clip is because on that special mm-hmm. when he's chain smoking, he's talking about so me and Iggy like decide we're gonna we're gonna kick drugs, especially heroin. And we decided to move to Berlin. To Berlin. The the heroin capital of Europe. Right, I was going to say, because the place where you go clean up is Berlin. But at the same time, uh, man, I don't even know. Uh, It's got to be just a creative... It it had to be for his creativity. Yeah. You know, a, a place for him to go to get away from the normality that he was experiencing just addled with drugs and the lifestyle that he was, I think what he was in Los Angeles previous or something like that. I I see. I don't know. I just always assume he was always in London or Philly or New York. I think think, (laughs) Los Angeles never seems to be on my radar with him. I don't know. I don't know. So I I don't remember. We're speculating, but but I remember as a young pup record store guy, right? Went up to Logan one day, and sometimes I would just ask him just a point blank question: "What about this record, or what about this person?" And then you know I have a I have a handful of Bowie at this point. I'm like, "What about these records over here? This low thing and a quote that still sticks with me to this day. Whoa, is yeah, and this should have been on the sticker for the remaster. This is the stuff." that bands are still trying to catch up to. Yes, and that's true. I remember you saying that. That's very true. I mean, it was it was the the mainstream mainstream artist of David Bowie who was emulating that kraut rock the, which yeah, the first wave. The first wave of happening. actual uh electronic music. Yeah. And you, you turned know, me on to with, another record at this point. Yes. With called Harmonious, Harmonious 76. 76. 76? Oh, 76. Seven, I thought it was yeah. 77. Whichever. Sorry. But that had Oh god, who was in that? Was it Well, e- Eno was part of that scene. I don't know if he was on the record, but he was that's definitely a Brian it was, Eno thing. Well, yeah, and 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 that's that's where he comes into big play because he uh David that is. Yeah. Uh yeah. Enlist Eno to be part of his next creative outburst yeah. of uh, of records, yeah. um, all, all all the Berlin material. Yeah, and I'm sure it was already in Bowie's head to work with Eno at some point, even before the initial synthesizer phase. Right, right. Because I know he knew him from Roxy Music and, and his, so. his other solo stuff prior to this. Because you know Brian Eno was putting out you know glam rock 
before all this too. He, just yeah, like Bowie. Yeah, he, he was he was doing like taking Tiger Mountain. Yeah. And but then all of a sudden Eno goes completely electronic. Yeah. And and releases I I think at the time it may have been discrete music, which is just like the title. If you haven't heard right. the sort of ethereal Eno catalog yeah. and, and, and he's still doing it today yeah. actually basically like score music for those of you keeping really score at home yeah yeah <laughs> so, it, it score real or ambient, just real ambient real movie sounding or you just know. think of a spa yeah <laughs> totally you know relax yeah, it's if, fine if 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 there was ever <laughs> i don't mean this to be totally disparaging no. but if there was ever a chain of spas owned and run by hipsters they would just play Brian Eno. Brian Eno. 100%. All the time. All the time. Yes. <laughs> you could so play they... music for airports oh, yeah. and <laughs> all four parts. Uh, you could play, I mean, because that's at least an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta, and then yeah, you could play, um, what's the other one? Oh, uh, Apollo. Yeah. Anyway. I just need something I can ignore, Barry. But but here's, you know, the, the thing about it is that Brian Eno was an an accessible person for um, David Bowie to get in touch with yeah. to hit on this electronic music sound. Yeah, he was that his, was that his, was going on his relay runner into right. the scene. Because I, I I'm I, I'm sure he just just guessing. I'm not sure if he would have been intimidated to actually talk to the guys in Kraftwerk. I don't know. I yeah, think they I still think, seem enigmatic to this day. Yeah, so. and or, or, or that they would do anything with him. Yes. So, uh, maybe he tried and it didn't work out, but there was this guy, this really cool guy from a band that he knew named Brian Eno. Yeah. And and just looking at the performance yes. credits on the booklet here, it's like 60-40 Bowie Eno, right. as far as I can tell. So yeah. here you go. Bowie gets credits for vocals, guitar, pump bass, the arp, not the harp, the arp. Arp. Tape cellos, which is basically a mellotron. That's basically a mellotron, by the way. Tape horn, same thing. Brass synthetic strings, saxophones, saxophones, harmonica, piano, prearranged percussion, synthetic strings, vibraphone, one of my favorites, of course, and the xylophone. Nothing wrong with that. And then Eno does vocals, Splinter Mini Moog, Report Arp, Rimmer EMI, whatever the hell that is. What the guitar treatments, Chamberlain, piano. And synthetics. Huh. Synthetics? <laughs> synthetics. Wow. Yes. So Dr. Eno and Dr. Bowie. Yeah, Dr. Eno and Dr. Bowie. Uh, put out sure. this. And, and maintaining pretty much the same band from station to station, which yeah. is also interesting enough. Yeah, because I, I, I know that there's a point to where Carlos might have gone. Yeah. So what, what do I do? What do I do here? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like. It's one of those records. Play where you can find a place to play. I mean, it's, exactly. it's one of those things, especially with the guitar. There is no pretense of any kind no. of single on here. No. They're not trying for that. No. This is this is complete anti-pop. I, I think that's exactly the point of the yeah. of this of this album. Well, the next three albums. Yes. And not that he didn't hit upon yeah, something at right. some point, but that's going to be on the next album. Yeah. But <laughs> but this certainly was the beginning of a of a completely different creative output for him yeah and if he hadn't been clean for this album this could have been his smile yeah this could have been the shelved art record right that just 
because there's songs that just kind of stop after a minute and change. Right. But, I mean, so like it fe- has that feel to it for me, yeah. knowing what I know about all those records. But, yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting listen. You, you really can't break this one apart. But if it's, you had to, I, it, I found. At least I, I, I will say that I think it's still influencing, oh, yeah. uh, young young people today yeah. within a sense, just yeah. because of its its notoriety, not just in his catalog, but within the in, I mean the whole swath of music. Yeah, especially people that are like. Not necessarily wanting to have a rock band, but like an art rock band. You know, but like, we don't like exactly we don't exactly want to do craft work. Yeah, but we want to. So where do we go? You yeah, know? Yeah. and and this is this is that this is that record. This is actually that period. I think yeah, that, that you can period. you can fit that. Yeah, uh, but I, I I thought to go with this because it's it's really hard to like Sound and Vision. I think people would know that song yeah, pretty well. Know that one. It's on a few comps here and there. Yeah, so that's pretty much. Lowe's. He named a box set after it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Lowe's um, <laughs> sole contribution to any best of right. that might be out there for yeah. him. And let let me give a little. This is kind of an olive branch to the part one. We were, I was, I remember even going back and listening to it, uh, really trashing Beck for his uh, subpar cover of Diamond Dogs. Uh, if you go look oh. up Beck's cover of Sound and Vision, oh. now that is that's, something that you should good. actually watch. That's, that's actually a, good. And, and like, what was it, 100 plus musicians on this thing? It's it's one of those, like, the, the, the that circular orchestral round that he did. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a really good is clip to go look up again where, if you haven't seen uh, it in a while. And, and, and he's, didn't he print off, like, the, the arrangement that he had or something like that? Like, you could print uh, off the sheet music for it or uh, something? That was a different record. Okay, was that That's different? in the okay. same I'm period, but yeah. Like I was thinking it was around the same, same time. Yeah, but go YouTube Beck's cover of Sound of Vision because that's actually oh, good. Oh, yeah. So. Um, and once again, referencing the on stage, uh, live by request or what? Yeah. Live by request yeah. on A&E. Like I remember being so excited for that special and it's good, but he showed up prepared. Like, but we did his homework. He had all of his lyrics ready. The band was ready for, uh, they were ready for anything. Right. And you know, people calling in, they just want to hear space oddity. You know, they just want to hear, uh, like, I think one dude was like, Hey, can you play Starman? And you know, something. so nobody said, Hey man, can I hear Warsaza? <laughs> no. And uh, I think somebody got cut off when they tried to request Laughing Gnome, for all I know. But, uh, so he's on tour with Moby on that summer. Oh, yeah. Moby actually calls in and goes, can you play Sound and Vision, please? <laughs> like, So Moby actually saved the show for me, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, but we're not going to play that. We're going to play a song that's about halfway through the album. Really good, like, heavy, kind of neo-ballad. Yeah. And definitely more of a traditional arrangement. It's something yes. that, that probably actually belongs more so, honestly, on like Station to Station. Yeah. Uh, so here's my personal favorite song off of Low. I don't know if Logan can even pick one if he had to. But uh, I would just play the album for the next, the rest of this rest of the show, show yeah. and be okay with it. But yeah, we only do ten songs. Exactly. No more. No less. Exactly. So from Low, this is always crashing. In the same car. Every chance, every chance that I take, take it on the road. With kilometers and the red lights, 
Crashing in the same car, great song, and let's. I, I, I kind of haven't been timelining these as much as I, I I would have on a previous episode, but basically, it in the uh, biggest gap of Bowie recordings, let's say Station to Station came out January 1976, and yeah. Low came out January 1977. Wow. It took them a whole year, a whole stinking year. And like I said, there, there could have that could have been between Iggy tours and all this other well, stuff. Well, and but... and you think about it, a whole stinking year to completely change your sound. Yeah, and he did it. Most people take five years. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh... <laughs> uh, so nine months later, on October fourteenth of the same year, nineteen seventy-seven, we get the second of three Berlin albums, which. Uh, has a famous title track and I've never been able to figure out just why it's in quotations, but heroes. I don't either. I have no idea. I've actually, I've never even sought for an explanation of it. You know what? Don't even care. And because for me, this is, this is one of my favorite Bowie albums. Honestly, it's a great album. I gotta say, but like I, I would, I would almost brave trying to listen to that song without the title track on it because it definitely, I mean, it's definitely a sequel to Low. Yeah. Like, and, and almost even more hardcore in a sense, like the B-side of the vinyl, except for one song, <laughs> is all instrumental. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. is asking a lot, Yeah, honestly, of, of the fans. So so it's it pretty much the same players from the previous album. Oh, yeah. uh, but you get a, uh, a name in here that I like that hadn't appeared on a record before, the great Robert Fripp. Yes, of King Crimson fame. The uh, or maybe not, maybe lack the, of fame. <laughs> the, the that five years documentary, it it hit on 
this particular year. Oh, really? Because it did five different years of Bowie's. And, oh, uh, see, I thought it was like the first no, five, like no, that no. box set that Aha, came out. We talked see, about yeah. that last time, too. And mm-hmm. uh, so it, it, there's this fantastic part where they're talking with Brian Eno. Yeah. And uh, they had just done Low. And he says, he, you know, oh, so so what are we going to do next? That's Bowie yeah. saying that. And then Eno goes, I'm not exactly sure. Why don't we give Fripp a call? <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then, so the, the, they both kind of fake fake the phone call. Hello, Fripp. It's Brian. I have David with me. Here you go. <laughs> and so... I'm so glad you've seen this documentary. Yeah, it, it really I, helps. I, I, I probably have seen it like three times now right. since, since he's passed away. Because yeah. it seems to be on... Well, I've, I've been now. able to get yeah. access to it at really easily but at the same time how 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 funny i mean yeah. robert fripp yeah i would have never thought brian eno would just go well let's see what fripp is doing yeah i love that that means uh somebody that knows robert very well will also come into the picture later on but we'll talk about him when we get right. to it right but uh yeah it, it's you know i guess that's where that great tone from the title track comes from yeah like I said, everybody knows the song heroes i even said at one point and i think somebody put this like to us in a round table Uh-oh. uh this is this goes back to the record store days it's just uh, like high fidelity uh, it's like top five this top five songs you'd shoot into space you know when we made that oh we, yeah because at one point we actually did make a mix record for Aliens to see yeah. if anybody was out there. We put some Sonatas up there and all this. Only the, the, the reason why I want to have another record store. Yeah, yeah, totally. Love to do it. It's for top five. So uh, if you'd like to support my record store with Joey, please yeah. send... Yeah, we'll get a PayPal up PayPal for, yeah. for Joey Rock and Roll. Yeah, I need okay. to do that. So uh, I picked Heroes as one of the five songs I would shoot into space because I feel like it's just powerful enough to be in it. Oh, Even yeah. more so than Space Oddity, in my opinion. Yeah. And this is my opinion. Well, they don't want to hear about themselves. They want to hear about (laughs) heroes anyway. Yeah, exactly. Heroes is all-encompassing. Oh, we are aliens. Everybody can relate to it. Yeah, it's it's like a love song almost. Yeah, but it'd be interesting to hear this album without that song on it. I'm going to have to do that at some point because it's got to be that weird. Can I side note real quick, which may, this may be in gay, not gay, (laughs) but... um, Whenever they they go to the heroes part in Moulin Rouge, yeah, I love that. Okay, I love that part. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Baz Luhrmann at all. Well, so. and that and and I get it, but uh, I'm yeah. just saying that 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 whole little sequence, right? Sure. You know, although they, I, did, I did show you the nipple in Moulin Rouge. Yes, you so, did. Yeah. Yes, you did. That's fantastic. <laughs> Nicole, we love you. Yes, thank you, Mr. Skin. All right, uh, I'm gonna play, and you know, I asked Logan if he had any uh, objections here. Uh, the kickoff track on Heroes. Uh, it's it kind of sets you up in a way that doesn't necessarily reflect the rest of the album. It deceives you. It really does because you think, "Wow, <laughs> wow!" So Bowie is doing hard rock disco. Oh, okay. So <laughs> that last album was a fluke. Sure. <laughs> I mean, really, this is a hard rock yeah. disco song. It really I mean, is. Yeah. You, I, I this is this is my party piece right here. So here you go. That's this cool. Is, uh, I would dedicate Heroes to my wonderful girlfriend. Marianne. Oh, who it's her wanted, favorite? Well, no, it's not her favorite, but you know, she knows why. Okay. If she ever listens to this, which she oh. probably won't, but you know, it's fine. It'd be nice if she did. Though. It would be nice. Yes. 
all supportive wives and girlfriends listen to Rock Strikes 10. Oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, you're not... Okay, I'll go ahead and dedicate it to Jacob <laughs> Dylan then. <laughs> I don't freaking know. No. Anybody else try to tackle heroes of those guys? I'm trying to think, because there was the Wallflowers cover. Yeah, the Wallflowers cover. I don't I, think anybody else really has. We were talking about, know. can we find covers that don't suck? But and that one's just fine. It's a I'm nice, okay with it. It's a it. nice bar band version, you yeah. know? It's what, yeah. it, it is what it is. Anyway. Hey. First song. Your song. First song. Off of Heroes. Off of Heroes. This is a hard rock disco song that I love so much. It's great. It's got good bass. So this is Beauty and the Beast. Yeah.
Uh, we're, we're laughing right now. We might as well talk about this. <laughs> this goes back to the record store days once again. And I'm glad that we have these moments to like uh, an otherwise morose subject see, that we're doing. Yeah, you know, there's there's one thing about the record store moment. Yeah. There's like... I'm going to go ahead and say it for Logan because I don't know if he'd word it this way. But Lo- Logan, I even... Okay, even when and I've I've told him this, so I, I and I'm not trying to embarrass him on the show no, here by you're saying not. this. When I first met Logan, I was a customer and he was working at a music land slash Sam Goody. Oh yeah. And I remember even having this conversation with one of my friends, probably Chris, we'll just say it for the sake of the story. <laughs> this guy up at the store, Logan, he's the man, and you know, I think he might be gay, but I gotta say, <laughs> super nice guy. <laughs> And we're still in the '90s. We're not even. We're yeah, not even like 90s. public acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. like it's yeah. it's way better now than it was then. It's super so, better now. And it's just it's it's the price you pay for being a super nice guy. Sometimes that there's going to be a few people that be like, you know what? Yeah, I think he might be. Uh, yeah, yeah. Be you know what? I, he might <laughs> he might be a little. Well. I think he's gay. Yeah, like I said, this is this. But is, he knows all the good fucking records, yeah, that's man. Exactly, and I can have a conversation with this man about Maiden or Bowie or Which, whatever. By the way, I know a lot of gay people that know some really good fucking records. Sure, mind you, it's it tends to lean a little gay. Gay records. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything. I mean, but you don't, you don't, you don't have the. Uh, it's not the obvious generic. You don't get, you don't you get know. the the. That the gay the the gay person normally that would say, "Hey man, you know what? You should check out, I don't know, Radiohead." Sure. sure. Or you know, that new Anthrax, man. Yeah. It's actually kind of disappointing. <laughs> At the time. At the time. Yeah, I was like, we're we're in stomp. We're we're territory. still in still stomp for two or two era okay. now. But uh, yeah, that, so basically that was. But they my... covered the Smiths, <laughs> right? Oh, That's my. I love that. Oh, we're, now we're back into the gay thing now. <laughs> Sorry, but we are. Yeah. And, and and that was the whole thing. I was like, you know, <laughs> so later on, years go by, and we're working together at the CD yeah. warehouse, and yeah. uh, and it gets down to that. Like, have we done every list? And then it turns into like, okay, what guy? We were probably on Gundyr... our seven hundred and eighty ninth list at that point. And each of us had to pick a guy. So I, 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 I'm not sure if it was or wasn't narrowed down to like singers, but I think all of us had picked a singer. And uh, for the life could have done actors, I'm sure. I don't know if if Brian played along on this one. I don't recall him oh. doing that or even Rev. Uh, but I know between us two, we did have to pick a guy gun to our head that we would have sex with <laughs> that sounds so weird and like i was just the reason we were laughing when we came back on the air is like logan you're off the hook now right <laughs> and he said the one guy that i would is dead is dead it's so like, damn it i'm in the clear yeah and i think it took me what's funny is a... my wife at the time knew that too oh yeah yeah <laughs> so anyway <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no shock in no, this face. The, I know that she yeah, knew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, <laughs> so, she knew that. She knew that. Yeah. So I think Gund- I think I had to come back like two days later because I just couldn't think of anybody. And plus, I'm like, this isn't in my mindset here. And what, it I probably took me this. five seconds ago, David Bowie. Yeah, you did David Bowie. And I think two days later, I came back and I was like, ah, uh, I guess David Albert maybe. <laughs> or I think that's actually who I said at the time because I was really who? listening. I was listening to a lot of Blur. So I said David Albert. Oh, David Albert. Yeah. Oh. At the time. 
But like I said, that's it's after, better than any of the Gallagher brothers. I was gonna say that's after three days and just saying fuck it, I'll just pick one. It took me five seconds, takes you yes. three days. Like okay. I said, any Whatever. confident and for the record, any confident heterosexual man can answer this question. The ones who just avoid it altogether, those are the ones that are secretly gay. There you go. Moving on. All right, we're into the Lodger record, <laughs> part three of Berlin. Part three, and uh, you know what? I think this one's kind of the lost album, like. It's weird. It's got two songs that turn up pretty consistently on singles collections. So there's two singles off of this, oh, yeah? DJ and Boys Keep Swinging. Oh, yeah. Not much else on it. it. But I still think, even then, I think because Heroes is Heroes. Right. And Low, is, Low gets to be the initial thing. Yeah. Lodger is kind of the lost album. I it think, is. It, out, of, out of the three, it, it, it gets the least amount of... Love and attention. attention. Yeah, and I'm guilty of the same exact thing. Yeah, I will be and, and, dead and, honest. And, with and you I have, that. I have, and you know what? I have been too. But yeah. I mean, there's other great tracks. I, I, I like the lead off track, "Fantastic Voyage." Yes. Not, a, um, not the Lakeside song. Nope, nope, no <laughs> that's Coolio. A good, that's a good song too. Yeah, no, no Coolio. Coolio I like Coolio's um, version. No, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> but that's not the same song anyway. Uh, recently, uh, you know, I, I, I had gotten back into Red Sails. Ooh, yeah. Uh, that's a great song. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I would also like to say that Boys Keep Swinging is, is one of the better videos you could find of his. Cause... The brunette. You picked the brunette. <laughs> yeah. I didn't pick any of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, this, this was kind of a coin toss for me. Right. And Logan's got. Uh, I think he came up with a good one. This is a personal affinity for. Yeah, because it, it was it was one of those in those early days of MTV whenever they actually ran music videos and just out of nowhere. Hell, you say it was? Yeah, no. They they uh, ran DJ okay nice. uh, as a video, and it, for me, it was it was a it was a new song and a weird video. Yeah. Like it's it's a half and half. Yeah. Like, uh, because one half he's literally playing a disc jockey. Right. And at some point, some of the shit starts blowing up in the studio. Yeah. And then the rest of it is like, uh, what do you want to call it? Stock footage of yeah. him just hanging out in the streets with fans and friends. <laughs> yeah. Like he's going to a party and everybody's following him on the way to this party. Oh, is that the club. one where he gets kissed by a whole bunch of people? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, a lot of girls the... go up and kiss him. A bunch of men. That probably got edited yeah. out, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, DJ. yeah, DJ DJ is a great song. I, I, I've always, whenever I got, whenever I just forced myself into making somebody's party a little bit more music friendly. Yes, I would better. I, I just yeah, better. just better. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would sing the. It's, I am the DJ. I am what I play. Is our mantra. Yeah, so we do here so, on yeah. Rock Strikes Ten as well. So yeah. because of that, that's what we're gonna play. There you go. DJ. Here's DJ.
Closing off the Berlin trilogy, that was DJ from Lodger. Go check out that record because that is definitely a, an untapped record. Yes, for sure. And just to kind of finish up the trilogy once again, uh, marked by a, a souvenir of this era, and you know the studio versions of of all of these albums are so heralded. This is another David Bowie live album that gets kind of a bad rep. Yes, it's people judge it based on the fact that man you really just can't recreate studio stuff sometimes and not versus hey this is a good set list so i think a lot of critics tend to miss the point of the live album when they go that route because of course yeah i realize that more often than not you may not hit the mark the studio version does and the berlin trilogy is definitely one of those things where i can understand why they would say that right but at the same time Let's see how well they can at least attempt to pull it off pull live. Pull it off live. And to me, that is the true intrigue of stage and why any fan would buy this album. Right. So I, I, in, in that sense, I don't think it truly, I don't think it disappoints all that much. No. I, I, I think the reissue of it back, uh, oh. when, when was that? 2000 and... That's about 12 years ago. 12 years ago? Yeah. Around I, the time that all these reissues were I think out. I think the uh, reissue of it actually gave it its, its fair due. Oh, yeah. For sure. Of course, it sounds way better. It sounds way better, but I I think it was cleaned up and 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 made to sound like a a, a great recording of documenting not just the era but the tour. Yeah, and that's really what it's all about. So, I, I think we should definitely give it a little bit of a representation here from a, a song from Low. So I said, don't pick this one in oh advance my. because. They actually, I found out they actually released an official single for stage. And oh, did it, they really? And it was this song. Oh. I guess, and the thing I dig about it is they took a song and basically doubled the length of it and and actually gave it more of a life than I think, because that, that is one of my, if I have to nitpick low, it's that this song is too damn short. Right. Okay. So the version of Breaking Glass on stage yeah. is literally twice as long as the one in the studio and i dig that so yeah. that's why i want to play it here cool and i'm glad they put it out as a single because it didn't do all that great but i'm just glad that they thought it was cool enough to do that you know that's all so anyway yeah but on the tour <laughs> coming in like we talked about with the robert fripp factor i'm sure there was maybe one of these things or uh, obviously being aware of the guy too the debut of Adrian Ballou. Adrian Ballou. Into the David Bowie family. Yeah. So yeah. did the tour. I'm sure maybe under Fripp's recommendation, because they probably asked Fripp to do it. He yeah. probably said no, because, you know, he's not much of a stage guy. He never has been. Right. Ballou, a little more accessible. Yeah. So there you go. From stage, this is Breaking Glass. <laughs> Thank you. 
So, you know, we've been doing these specials in chronological. I was a little off there. Stage actually did precede Lodger, believe oh. it or not. So, oh, yeah. on September 8th, 1978 is when it oh. came out. But, hey, you know, I I never said it was perfect. No. But that's a damn good version, in my opinion. And the critics are wrong about Stage. Critics that's, are wrong. Yes. They'll be right later. Possibly, I suppose. I mean, Mostly. Any, anything could happen. Even it, it, the, it could. Yeah, to paraphrase uh, one of my favorite movie quotes, even the sun will shine on a dog's ass at least every now and then. Every once in a while. So, And with that, we have the 80s. Oh. Uh, so. The me decade. Yeah. Before we really dive into that, I think we should probably hit upon this. Another odd and end. And I gave Logan the option here because... Oh. It was between two things, so we're going to go with this. This actually is probably a little bit into the 80s, but I think since we're still finishing up the Berlin Trilogy, and this there's a movie that came out around the early 80s period called Christine F. It's like a German yeah. art film about these teenagers that are really into he's drugs. In, he's in Berlin. That's all I know about yep. it. I've never seen this movie. Have you seen I, this no, movie? No, I've never have either. No. So, someday. I guess someday I'll see it. But it's basically... If you pick up the now first time available in the U.S. CD issue that came out about 12 or 13 years ago, yeah, it works as a good Bowie comp, because it's all Bowie music, and it's 100% basically a best of... It's kind of a best of the Berlin trilogy, yeah, sans Station to Station, which of course is on the Station to Station record. Right. 
So uh, there is a uniqueness to it that's like, oh, okay, why should I get this if I have all these records? Well, if you're a hardcore fan, and, and, and this is definitely a completist album. Right. There, the, I guess they say that a couple of the songs on here are alternate mixes, like Stay and Station to Station are supposedly not the same as they are on the original studio album. So there's that, but then there's also this. So this is kind of our little olive branch to people being like, hey, you know, I don't know any of these songs. Hey, wait a minute. here's a song you at least half know. You kind of know it. But not this way. So we're going to play Heroes, the version from Christiane F. I hope I'm saying that right. I, this is I, the best I, way I can boy, say Boy, I tell it. you what, I have no idea. Christiane, yeah. Christiane. Uh, what if it's German? Yeah. Good day, mate. Good day, mate. Yeah. So this F. version... <laughs> Good day, mate. F. This version of Heroes, uh, Bowie cut... I, I, I want to say... I don't know if it's specifically for the... For this movie, I don't know. He, he may have done this actually in the studio, in the studio around the time. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's really cool either way. Yeah. It it it's. I like it whenever they they go back and do yeah. other language tracks every yeah. once in a while. And that's exactly what this is. There's actually three official studio versions of Heroes. There's the original version that we all know and love. Right. On the Sound and Vision box, there's an '89 version. Yeah. Of the all German version of Heroes. Yeah, on Sound of Vision, it's all German. And then on this one, it is both English and German. So it's a 50-50 split. Right. Like certain versions of 99 Left Balloons. Ugh. This is Bowie doing Heroes. I wasn't going to bring up Nana at this point. I know. But, but hey, we had to, right? You, you did At least that. I had to. So this is Heroes slash Heldin. Heldin. Heldin.
And you thought we pulled the carpet out and we didn't play Heroes for the Heroes record. We go ahead and play <laughs> Heroes but with a twist. A little German also. Helden and Heroes from Christine F. Also the Sound and Vision box set. I might be wrong about that full German thing, but I, I remember it being good that enough, way. Man. Whatever. Good enough. So now we are truly for sure 100% in the 80s. Scary Monsters record, which I love this record. I think it's great. It's, it's a, a fantastic album. It is uh, probably... 
I mean, I don't know if there's any debate that this is his best 80s album. I think, you know, by default, it kind of is. He doesn't have a whole lot of records besides, I mean, there's this, Let's yeah. Dance, Never Let Me Down. Yeah. That's it. So, but Tonight. Sorry, tonight. I don't know why you, I forgot yeah. that, because I actually like Tonight. So, but that's what everybody says. But You and it, my mom. It still feels like, oh, I love Tonight. Just kidding. Yeah, just no. Kidding. My mom probably, didn't like that record at all. But... Really cool album. Still feels like we're in the Ber- there's a lot of Berlin stuff still seeping in here, but we're getting into like the the new wave, new romantic. I was gonna stuff. say it's it it has that it has that 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 sound signature of what was going on musically. Now, people and even himself, if that's even proper English, mm. would just come right out and say, you know, by the time we got a few years into the eighties. I became a follower and not a leader. Do you think that there's still... I mean, I I feel like the Scary Monsters album still has as much originality as almost anything he's ever done. Absolutely. Do you think that what happened on this, and do you think that... I I don't see a whole lot of commercial success on this record. No. no. As big of a single as fashion was... Right. I feel like maybe the 45 got purchased more than the actual Scary Monsters record. Quite possibly. I mean, it um, at at that point he's and Ashes to Ashes is a fringe single. It's or, not a huge single. No, it's not a huge single. I mean, it it it's not a mainstay. Yeah. It's a favorite for, of fans. Right. But it's you know, it it I I think what was it? Fashion yeah, fashion, fashion and Ashes Dashes are the two singles off of here. And fashion is 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 really the the uh, for this album. I I would say it's the defining single because it's oh, yeah. it's disco-y and it's also part of like you were saying this this new romantic movement that was either on the cusp or had just really happened yeah, especially in england not so much in america but yeah in england, america sure. was was gonna you know follow or see what was going on like another two or three years later i think yeah but um and, uh, it's it's a underrated album perhaps yeah but a lot in a sense, maybe yeah. in in the sense kind of i i don't want to say it's overrated because i don't think anybody's overrating the record either <laughs> right but i mean it it should should still herald a a a, a way to document another change yeah. in where he was going. Yeah, it's kind of like the Young Americans album of his '80s output. It's not a hated record, no, but it's it's a little overlooked. It's it. I I would exactly go with that. Yeah. That it's the Young Americans of the '80s. It and what it came out. What when in '80. Uh, it actually came out on September twelfth of nineteen eighty. Yeah. So just uh, actually a little over a year and a half from Lodger, yeah. which also says a lot. Fifteen months, basically, difference yeah. on the on there. But I think he toured for with Lodger a little bit longer. Yeah. It's actually I feel like that tour was a conglomerate of all of the yeah. Berlin stuff. So yeah. that's why it was kind of like, yeah. hey, I have three records that I, America hasn't got, heard yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> might I, as well promote I'd go them. with that. I might as well. <laughs> RCA is probably like come um, on, hey, man. Um, David. <laughs> I think they even re-released maybe some old singles to kind of. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Like they might have done that. I wouldn't be surprised. I would not at all. Either. It's our ninth printing of 
Space Oddity at that point. Well, they, he went back and recut Space Oddity in 1979. See, I wonder go. if that's... That's uh, maybe part of it. it. Maybe the agreement was, if I can re-record it, then you can do something with it. Yeah, yeah. there's there, there's some RCA tricks going on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So, but yeah, and I also duly noted the uh, whenever Bowie did the tour with Nine Inch Nails, fast-forwarding to the mid-90s, Scary Monsters, the song, was a, a big part of that tour yes. because that's when they would actually duet together. Uh, whenever Bowie plays Saturday Night Live in the late eight, uh, late 90s excuse me, right. with Reeves, they played this as the second song, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. You know, so there's a, there's a few callbacks to that song in addition to the other known songs, Ashes, Dashes, and Fashion. Plus, you have Robert Fripp back on board right. playing the majority of the album and a Pete Townsend cameo yeah. on Because You're Young. I think it's also worthy noting that this is his last album with RCA ah. before he does move on to Big. EMI. Big money. Big money into his next phase. Yeah. Per Which se. Will basically be the yeah. pop phase. Yeah. You know, it, 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 pop. We'll cover that one next. Yeah, for sure. But this is, I believe, his last album for RCA. It is. Yeah, you're right. And, uh,. I, I, I don't think he left with a with a whimper. No, no. This is and, and this it, is. It almost seems like he was like, "Yeah, I'll give you guys a couple of singles. Why not?" Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 this is a hard one to pick as well. I don't know if you have a personal. Wow, did we pick this already? Did we do this? Did we already pick? No, no, we haven't pre-picked. Jeez. Oh, I have a favorite. If you want to just go with it. Yeah, just go with your favorite, man. All right. From 1980, Scary Monsters. This is the great Teenage Wildlife. Ooh, that is a good one.
Yes, and I, I do think that part of the love of the song definitely uh, is, a, is a major callback to Heroes. I mean, you can definitely hear it in the intro, and even the way that the bridge and chorus come in. It's yeah. it's it, it is kind of Heroes Part Two, but I think it's a it's a great song, and it it deserves its own praise in its in its own way. So, yeah. Teenage Wildlife off the of Scary Monsters, and I can't wait. I've been waiting all episode to do this to you, Logan. All right. Okay, so I didn't want to, you know, the way I had it mapped out originally, it was like let's the Let's Dance record finishes off this episode. I'm like, yeah. I can't do that because that's no. the start of a whole new era. No. Well, I almost brain farted this completely, and I'm glad I didn't because easily one of the most popular David Bowie songs is merely only half his. Okay. And that's All a right. song that was recorded in 1981, 1982. Okay. That wasn't even on a David Bowie album. Okay. It was by a major, major group in its own right. The iconic Queen. Oh, and, okay. <laughs> and Under Pressure. Now you know how yeah. we do here on Rock Strikes 10. Not co- <laughs> Under Pressure does not need me to play it on Rock Strikes 10 on a podcast. Yeah. And now you know with, of course, now that Freddie's gone, David's gone, under pressure is kind of one of the saddest songs in the world now at this point for me. Pretty, pretty. Because when you when you hear it, it's like you're actually supposed to feel. I don't know. Like I mean, the initial like early '80s paranoia kind of thing. Because like I call it nervous rock. Right. It definitely belongs on a comp with all that stuff. There's a lot of really twitchy, nervous songs from the early '80s. Okay. And Under pressure is the ballad to accompany that soundtrack. Okay. But back when Freddie left us, they obviously we're like i know david was like what do you need yeah and then when david comes out it's like another piece of royalty coming out and they gave him time on that show everybody else comes out do your song you're gone do your yeah. song you're gone three minutes four minutes go yeah. go go, go. Yeah. david comes out and it's like okay now it's time for the david bowie halftime show right on the freddie mercury tribute concert right and i don't think freddie would have had a problem with it no it's a really great piece during that show because you get Bowie coming out. He has a reunion with Mick Ronson. They do All the Young Dudes. Ian Hunter comes out and sings yeah. it. They do Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> he does the Lord's Prayer at the end. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. But when he first comes out, they said, here is David Bowie and Annie Lennox. Yes. And then they do Under Pressure together. I watched this the night that David died. And that's when I really had that moment. And I got really just... You know, like I'm doing now when I think about it. So we're going to listen to it now. This is David Bowie and Annie Lennox closing off this era, and I think in the best possible way. It's a great way. With uh, Under Pressure, live from the Freddie Mercury Tribute Concert. Here you go. Okay, please welcome on stage Annie Lennox. Thank you. 
know how to come back out of that at at, at this point that was i th- that was a big surprise for me yeah, you really you know whether you just heard it, just the audio of it like like i i made the mistake of like turning on the video clip i was like logan if you haven't seen this in a while you gotta see it i yeah, i i, yeah, I it's freaking, been a, it, it's been a really really long time i i got i got really choked up and emotional and i'm i'm fighting back a lot of tears right now because that one just hits me so hard yeah watch them do that and it's just it's unforgettable it's yeah. iconic annie man whoa wow <laughs> yeah I, I i actually you know it, it it had it had for me been a really long time and i know that floated around um yeah just sure. a just a, I mean about almost almost immediately after a, a lot of people heard about david passing away but a lot of people went to that and I, 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 I didn't click on it. I didn't click on the 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 video or anything. But yeah, I'm. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I lo- in the way he sings it, I, I I think he even nails it even more than he did on the studio version. Like he's really just in the moment. They're they're so, they're both so in the moment on this yeah, one. I you know it, so much confidence. I mean, Queen Queen for me is. The band that I wish I I, I had seen. There's, yeah. yeah, we talked about that on the last one. Yeah, too. And, and and yeah, and I I can't reiterate that any in any more than I and I may touch on it on the next episode too. <laughs> yeah, right. I was trying to find some comic relief so I wouldn't break up watching the clip. I was like, look at John Deacon. He's even, right. John he's Deacon even, was was. <laughs> He's, he's like really moving around on stage, and he's he even did a little sway on the drum he's, riser. Yeah, he stood very, on the drum riser there and, for 
and yeah. like swayed back and forth. It yeah, was, it he was, was beautiful. the most animated I've probably <laughs> ever seen him. Like honestly, John Deacon is the the atypical bass player. Like if you have a generic image of a bass player, right. it's John Deacon, and yeah. like he's always so just like a mechanic on stage. But during that performance, I think that he was really getting a kick out of it, and you can tell when you watch. He it, was having a great time. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that's the. That's a good. That's a good yeah. way to end this one. Yeah, you know, a, I, almost uh, almost too good. <laughs> you're, yeah, <laughs> we're too good for this. We're gonna cut it off right yeah. here. Yeah, but go watch that clip, and uh, you know, maybe maybe do it when you're by yourself. <laughs> yeah, because man, oh, or or watch it with the one you love. Right. So, uh, which is what we did <laughs> in a way. I watched it with Nola too, like yeah. on on the night of. Yeah. So, but we're gonna go ahead and get out of here, and we'll be back. In another quarter for part three, uh, covering all of the '80s and a little bit of the '90s for the next go round of Bowie. Almost the rest of his catalog at that point. Just about. I, I've got a bunch of odds and ends to throw in to, to pad it to four episodes, and I will. Yeah. So, oh, it's easy to do. Yeah, and uh, also talk about a band that wasn't just the David Bowie show. We got a little Tim Machine on the next one too. So we'll oh, get yeah. into that and all that. Oh, yeah. So. Everybody else, go to cnjradio.com where you can uh, find links to the Twitter and the Facebook. Tell me what you liked and what you didn't like. And shame on you if you liked nothing on this. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But also, part one episode is also on cnjradio.com as well as the iTunes feed. Thank you so much, Logan, for sharing this Bowie special. It's been a lot of fun. It it really has. Or as Vinnie Jones said once, it's been emotional. Yes. So, everybody else out there... uh, We'll see you on the next one, and have fun.